question was we were talking one day and I didn't realize that you had been a journalist with the the Daily News, uh, not the Daily News Journal. I, I was, man, I, I really messed up on that. I don't want to link that one with the Nashville banner at all because that was the, we're, we're talking about when newspapers were really newspapers. Right. And and you had the, the Nashville banner and then the Nashville Tennessean at that time. Now, uh, I consider you kind of like me. You're you're a, a little bit on the conservative side, or maybe a lot on the conservative side, which most of us are in our particular age. And I remember uh, a special little skit uh, that these two guys used to do, Abbott and Costello. And the one that most people remember is who's on first. Right. Now, how are we going to do this? Uh, are you going to be Costello or uh, Abbott? Because I guess we could do either one. We, we pretty much got it in front of me. Well, let me answer this way. Nancy has a sign that says, My next husband will be normal, and I hung it for her. Will be normal? I think I, I can understand why she's saying that. But, but all right, well, how are we going to do this? I, I kind of fit Costello, I guess. Okay. I think I would be more Abbott. Ab, Abbott is, is, is kind of like the straight guy, right? Yes. Okay. All right. All right, fire on. Hey, Abbott, tell me the names of the players on our baseball team so I can say hello to them. Sure. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. Wait a minute. What's the matter? I want to know the names of the players. I'm telling you. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. Now, wait. What's the name of the first baseman? No. What's the name of the second baseman? I don't know. He's the third baseman. Let's start over. Okay, what's on first? Uh, who's on first? I'm asking you, what's the name of the first baseman? What's the name of the second baseman? I don't know. He's on third. All I'm trying to find out is the name of the first baseman. I keep telling you who's on first. I'm asking you, what's the name of the first baseman? What's the name of the second baseman? I don't know. Third, Third base. <laughs> All right. Okay. You won't tell me what's the name of the first baseman. I've been telling you what's the name of the second baseman. I'm asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. Let's try this another way. Let's do it this way. You pay the players on this team? Absolutely. All right. Now. When you give the first baseman his paycheck, who gets the money? Every penny of it. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Of course. All right. Then naturally is on first. No. Who's on first? I'm asking you, what's the name of the first baseman? And I'm telling you, what's the name of the second baseman? You say the third base. Um, wait a minute. You got a pitcher on this team? Did you ever hear of a team without a pitcher? All right. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me now? I said I'd tell you tomorrow. What's wrong with today? Nothing. He's a pretty good catcher. Who's the catcher? No, who's the first baseman? All right. Tell me that. What's the first baseman's name? No, what's the second baseman's name? I don't know third base. Look, it's very simple. I know it's simple. You got a pitcher tomorrow. He throws the ball to today. Today throws the ball to who? Who throws the ball to what? What throws the ball to I don't know. He's on third. And what's more, I don't give up. Darn. What's that? I said I don't give up. Darn. Oh, he's our shortstop. <laughs> that is a classic.
I made it through without breaking up. Well, we we both made it through. <laughs> it is hilarious. It really is, and it's all very simple when you think about it. But the right person has to get the feeling to do something and put it together. I hope while we were doing that, they were visualizing Abbott and Costello <laughs> because the, the, their manner is, is a lot what sold it at the time. Yes. And they were probably, at that time, the most popular duo in comedy. And, and a lot of it, of course, was in film, and sometimes it was on uh, television back then, which is television was very new was- during that period. I don't think they have color TV. And no, about they the did difference and stuff that was on it uh, in many ways is better than what's on today. Now, uh, give me a little bit of your background. But what what I really want to go in, into is your history uh, uh, at the Banner and and all the things that were going on because those two newspapers. They sold what was going on in politics all the way across the state of Tennessee. Right. And what they printed uh, made a big difference in, in the people who were very fortunate to be elected during that time. Well, I never worked for the banner. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, no. No. I never worked professionally as a reporter. Mm-hmm. Now, however, I did go to work for Genesco. Okay. And... Um, I would throw this in. <laughs> I'm sure Nancy would appreciate it. Your wife? Yes. <laughs> uh, I had gone to Florida. She hadn't decided that I was Mr. Wright at that time. But uh, she thought a lot of me, and I thought, well, reading she did, we met at Tech. Uh-huh. But it took us until our senior year to actually meet. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, I I didn't have any idea about her. She knew about me because I did write for the uh, Oracle, which was the TPI at that time, Mm -hmm. now Tennessee Tech University. MTSU's biggest competitor. Oh, yes. Yeah, (laughs) I was thinking this morning, if your team, whichever team you pulled for, Mm -hmm. had a losing season but beat the other team, you had a semi-good year. <laughs> oh, it was successful. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, it sure was. But at any rate, uh, my writing career started uh, actually in the first grade. Mm. And the teacher that everyone hoped uh, would be their teacher in the first grade, we had two at that time. Mm-hmm. And her name was Miss Carol Bean. Uh-huh. And she put the children first in everything that, that she did. And she noticed I had a knack for writing. And she would write uh, notes sometimes on our papers that we turned in, and we could take them home mm-hmm. so the, our parents could keep up with what was happening. And by the time I got to uh, be a freshman in high school, a new English teacher had come to Tullahoma. And she told me after the first writing assignment, she said, I want you to go volunteer for the staff of the Echo. Yeah. as our school paper. Yeah. And that really kick-started my, if you don't call it, career mm-hmm. in writing. And that continued through high school. And I had my own column in about, a, well, I guess, late part of my freshman year. And uh, Super Snooper was one of the titles. (laughs) And it was just crazy things that you would see and and make it into something that you wanted to include in the column. And then I did sports writing, and then that's when I got into feature writing. Mm -hmm. And I love interviewing people because I like to interact with people. Yeah. And so that continued through high school. And then when I graduated, uh, there was no money for college, so they bought me a course in Nashville at Drones Business School. Oh, wow. And a lot of uh, young boys would uh, get uh, would buy a course there, mm-hmm. or their parents would. And 
then they would uh, find a place for you to live, which they did for me. Mm-hmm. And then they would find a part-time job if you owned it. So I decided I'd go to school half a day and then go to wherever job they found. Yeah. And that was interesting, to say the least. One time I, they put me at a drugstore in, in East Nashville as a soda jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had always wanted to, to do that just for, you know, so I could talk about Did it. Did you gain any weight while you were doing it? Oh, no. No, <laughs> no I, I, I don't gain very much now, but I'm beginning to get some uh, ripples in my stomach that don't want to go away. That's because you're doing so many sit-ups, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I did. Uh before I stopped doing them, I did 65 sit-ups one day. Wow. Did you hurt? No. <laughs> I, I wouldn't try it now, though. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, I, I decided I wanted to complete drawings. I didn't want to go through a lot of That was a good saying, school, wasn't it? Yes, it really was. It was uh, well, a lot. A lot of people from Murfreesboro went to that school. It was on 8th Avenue, uh uh, Face Days Avenue behind Hume Falk High School. Mm-hmm. And Janesco was in that uh, about a 12-story building, I think it was, right across from the, was it the Maxwell House Hotel? Was, was there a Maxwell House? Yes, there done. was. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was. I think it was across the street from uh, Janesco. Okay. But... Uh, at any rate, I decided I wanted to complete, and I did, and I got a diploma, and I went back to Tullahoma. And was that a four-year school or a two-year? It it had no term limit. <clears throat> None whatsoever. No, what what you did was buy a course, mm-hmm. and they presented it. If you wanted to attend classes, fine. Yeah. If you didn't, or decided you wanted to sleep in, uh, that kind of thing, it didn't bother them. I mean, they had your money. Yeah. And they owed you a, a instruction in certain classes. Yeah. So that's that's why when you completed whatever was listed, when you bought that course, when the person who used it had completed all the course, I mean, all the classes on mm-hmm. it, then you were through. They were all business classes, mm-hmm. I presume. Okay. I think they've gotten into, like, heavy equipment and that kind of stuff. Now. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it seemed like I saw something several years ago that yeah. would indicate that. So what what were you taking at the time, the type of classes? I, I don't remember. Oh, okay. I mean, they were just business. Yeah. Class. And I, I had two years of typing <clears throat> in high school. Yeah. And I got up to where I was typing in the 80, 90, and a couple, three times over 100 words a Without minute. Without any errors? No, <laughs> no. The faster I went, rather than the uh, more errors I made. Yeah. But yeah. I could uh, concentrate on it more. And well, and we had a, a class classroom, and it backed up to a room where they taught shorthand, mm-hmm. among other things. Yeah. And there were glass. It was glass between the two, mm-hmm. and the teacher, Mrs. Spitzer could stand at the front of the class talking about shorthand, and, and if anything was going on in the typing mm-hmm. room, she would stop and come over there and get it straightened out. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so one early in my second year, we spent more time in practice typing mm-hmm. and in addition to the classrooms. Yeah. And I took a seat behind Diane Ross. And when she typed, it sounded like a machine gun going mm. off. She had long finger and played the piano, mm-hmm. so you know her hands were <laughs> in in shape for typing. She could strangle a yeah, man, <laughs> right? And I had uh, small hands, and and I couldn't reach like she could and stretch up and get those upper keys. Yeah, and uh, that was quite an entertaining thing there. Yeah. So what was your goal at that time? My dad was the traffic manager, they called it, at Lanham's. He worked for Mr. Lanham's glove factory in Grinnell, Iowa. Hmm. And Mr. Lanham was a shrewd businessman. And he 
found, I don't know how I found it, because back then they didn't have the inf- way to get information as they do today. Mm-hmm. But he found out there was a tannery for sale in Tullahoma, Tennessee. A tannery? Tannery. Yeah. So he bought it. Okay, he was doing well because there were a lot of horses and mules and oxen and all that needed various things uh, that went into making it available for them to pool things yeah. or something like that. Well, when Henry Ford brought out his Model T, mm-hmm. some people just, if they had any business that was connected to horses, they just, like, just sort of gave up, mm-hmm. not him. He saw that there would be a, a market for something else that would use leather. And, of course, mm-hmm. when you tan, you get leather. Yeah. And that's what caused him to get into the baseball business. Now, the, I don't think they even had softballs for a number of years back uh, after baseball was introduced. Mm-hmm. They may have, but from what I can Baseball run, was the big sport at that right, time. Right, right. Yeah. So he decided that he would build a baseball factory in Tullahoma, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and tie it into the tannery. Which they did. Yeah. And it had... Uh, well, it goes together when you think about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're getting some of your uh, raw materials right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> All that. <laughs> what they did was they just backed them up together. And, of course, there were separate brick walls, one for the baseball plan and one that was there they built for the tannery. Yeah. And to get to the tannery, the main way was to go past the area where they packed the baseballs mm-hmm. and softballs for shipping. Yeah. And Dad headed that department. And also under him was what they called the stamping department. Mm-hmm. So the, to me, it's, it's a interesting thing to watch if you can go through, say, like a baseball factory. They start out for baseballs with a cork core yeah and then they put two or three layers of rubber around it Mm -hmm. and then they start the winding process and even back then they had these machines there (laughs) i used to to enjoy just going through and watching them work and i wish i was there watching it right now i loved uh baseball has changed so much all the way through the future of baseball because, and while you're telling me that, I, I, I start thinking about how lively that would be and, and how do they uh, make it in such a way that the ball is going to fly over the fence no matter how. I mean, in today's world, uh, the ball has been real lively. People were hitting balls uh, out of the park, not like when... Babe Ruth was playing, or 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 Madeline Mays, and, and as it continued on, uh, did did you get a feeling of how that was happening while they were while they were making it? No, because I, no, I never it, got it, it's fascinated that. me. Yeah, uh, I I knew uh, quite a few of the employees because the baseball factory was about. You did like this, made a couple of three turns between yeah. the school. But the school, the grammar school we called it, was mm-hmm. grades one through eight. Yeah. And it was in the center of a four-square block mm-hmm. of nothing but, uh, well, they still had several trees, but they had pruned some of them out or yeah. taken some of them out. And they had, that's back when children went out on playground mm-hmm. on, at recess yeah <laughs> and you need trees for them to have to run into but by going out that back entrance to the school and going two blocks down mm-hmm. and then about 60 feet was the end of the lanham manufacturing building yeah and uh, back then children walked to and from school now, we lived directly across from the grammar school. In fact, if I stood just the right spot on our sidewalk, mm-hmm. I could look straight up the sidewalk going all the way from the street up a block mm-hmm. <laughs> to the front of the grammar school. 
and uh, then we moved a mile and seven tenths away from that house. And this was back when a lot of people rented. I mean, houses weren't that expensive, but they didn't, they weren't making that much money either. Yeah. So we, it was just impossible. They had the way buying a house against uh, buying food you know, or, or a car or whatever was involved. Yeah. So uh, they rented a house out on the Volco Road brick house. And um, I, Dad would, uh, in fact, the day I was to start school, my mother wake up, woke up in labor mm. for, with my sister. Yeah. So back then, you know, in small town, if you needed something, you just called a friend. Yeah. And we called, uh, he called the wife of the man who owned uh, Couch's grocery store, mm-hmm. down downtown store, not a neighborhood store. And uh, Miss Annabelle Couch came out and gave me, I don't remember, but I will imagine she probably gave me a hug, you know, and, <laughs> and so she took me to school for my first day and stayed with me. Wow. Yeah. And we, I don't think we stayed uh, probably till noon, maybe. And so to get to school, Dad took me some mornings, and then they had a school taxi, the man who ran it, I've forgotten what kind of a vehicle it was, but it could hold several children and didn't have seat belts in, so you could crowd three or four children into that second seat on the bus. And uh, so they'd get me to school. And even as a first grader, the best I remember that towards at least uh, maybe up to wintertime, uh, I would walk yeah. home. And my little short legs were... <laughs> we're getting into shape even then. Yeah. And uh, on bad days, I would just walk. They'd, they'd give me something. I don't remember what I had for a rainy day. Not an umbrella, you know. But, and I would just go down to the factory. And back then, they didn't the have. The factory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ball, ball factory. Yeah. And back then, they didn't have all these uh, safety rules, mm-hmm. which is bad. But uh, in my case, it was good because I just roamed through the factory not getting in uh, in way of anything you know and the machinery was all down in the basement mm-hmm. and i told you about winding yeah they they have a scale and they that's one way they tell when it's been you know had enough winding mm-hmm. and the first thing they put on it is yarn yeah and they wrap it around and they they get so adept they can roll it while they're starting it and then he steps on a, a release down there, and it opens up, and this wheel is going around. And he puts that thing he is partially wound, and it's so interesting to see the, the wheel makes it wobble back and forth so you don't wind it all in one spot. Mm-hmm. It's even. And then when it gets so far, he releases it, takes it out, and... And they had something they had to cut the yarn, and mm-hmm. then they put uh, a thread on. If you've ever seen a baseball that's been ridden hard and put on, <laughs> on wet, what I'm saying is, then you know that uh, underneath that cover, you can see where the thread has been wound around there. Yeah. And then what they they do after that, best I remember, is they put it in a vat of latex. Mm-hmm. And then they have men who wear these gloves that come clear up past their elbows. And they just reach down in there and they rub it. Mm-hmm. And then they put it somewhere like a rack. And it I guess any excess drips off. I don't know. But knowing when to take that out. And every once in a while... I would notice that he'd put it one up there and weigh it. So I guess it's all in the field. You just get used to it. And how many do they do a day? It's, it's just... Uh, I can't even imagine. I know. And every baseball and softball that is made has to go through that same process. I, the machinery may be a little different now, but the, but the what they do is the same as it has been all along. Well, you think about now the 
every time a baseball hits the ground or whatever, they take it out of the game. So yeah. they'll go through sometimes 30, 40, uh, even 50 baseballs. Plus in, all in the game. ones they knock out of the park. <laughs> yeah, or foul or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So what what gave your dad the idea of doing that uh, as far as getting into the baseball? Well, let me think here. He was from Cortland, Nebraska. Yeah. I don't know whether it's a suburb of Lincoln or another uh, smaller town that's mm -hmm. real close to Lincoln. And he went to work on the railroad. Now, I, I had a picture of him at one time with a, wearing a suit and a tie, and he had black uh, curly hair. Mm -hmm. And then he had a fever, and he lost a lot of his hair. He said, get up and just be, he could just rake it off the pillow. Mm -hmm. So I never knew him when he had a full head of hair. Yeah. And he and mother were both older when I was born. Mm. He was 43 and she was 34. Now and you were born where? 30. Oh, I was born in Tallahassee. Okay. But at any rate, then he went to work for a railroad, not a passenger line, but yeah. a freight line. Yeah. And they were having so many accidents that his mother's doctor called him in one day and said, do you love your mother? And he said, of course I do. Why do you ask? said, then get another job. She is worrying herself sick about you working on the railroad. Hmm. And a coal car had turned over at one time, and he rode the coal. You, you've heard about that. You know, he just rode that pile coal that was flying through there and he got bunged up you know a little bit but yeah. no broken bones or anything so he took a job with a uh, an express company not railway express an express company yeah and they had an office in grinnell and my mother worked in that office and then she wanted to work for the telephone company. So she left that express office and went with the local telephone company. And then he left the railroad and went with Railway Express. Mm -hmm. And they had an express car that they pulled with pa passenger trains. Mm -hmm. And what they did was just fence off part of it, and that's where they would put the merchandise being shipped because they could lock it up in there. Yeah. And his office was uh, just a desk right there in the car. Yeah. And they transferred him to Grinnell. You see something developing there? Yeah. <laughs> and he had to call when shipments came in, and there was a big bakery in Des Moines, mm -hmm. and they tied in, had a direct shot down to to and through Grinnell with trains, and they would load bakery products on them. Yeah. Let's take went, a quick break, and okay. let's get back to right where we are right now. All right, we'll be right back with Jim Bridges. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Why move into a new house and, and leave a home that you already have memories with? Farrah Construction had already done the bathroom. Then we decided to move a wall or two and redo the playroom. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. And they did. The best investment in enjoyment that we ever made. We're family here at Farrah Construction. We care about you. This is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. Call 615-893-6120. 
Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hey, you've got to get a move on so Discount Mattress can get a move on. They're in their final days of their moving sale. All remaining inventory is deeply discounted to avoid moving cost. All remaining floor models are priced below cost. Discount Mattress, locally owned and operated and serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001. Now, you got to hurry. The sale ends April 30th, 1614 Northwest Broad Street, next to La Siesta Mexican Restaurant. Get on by Discount Mattress. This is Scott. It's now time to make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center, where they exclusively specialize in us men, and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has really reinvented the doctor's visit, and they make it quick and easy for us men to get in and get all of our levels checked out, not just our testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all your numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, they could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. So book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents the MTSU Dance Program's Spring Concert. Our talented students and faculty are working together on safely bringing this performance to the Tucker Theater stage from April 22nd through April 24th. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on virtual showtimes. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more today. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. There'll be a traffic event in Eagleville at the end of the month. This is Sergeant Scott Miller with the Tennessee Highway Patrol. We'll be conducting a sobriety checkpoint on Friday, April 30th on U.S. Route 41A near State Route 99 in Rutherford County. That checkpoint is near Four Corners Market in Eagleville and will be conducted after nightfall. Middle Tennessee residents getting an extension if they have not yet upgraded to the new Real ID driver's license. On Tuesday, the Department of Homeland Security announced it was pushing the Real ID deadline back 19 months from October 1st of this year to May 3rd, 2023. Congress passed a Real ID law in 2005 to set security standards for driver's licenses nationwide, and they're needed for anyone who wishes to travel commercially by airplane or enter a federal building. Real IDs could be obtained at a driver services center with proof of U.S. citizenship and proof of Tennessee residency. A Rutherford County school student is facing a weapons charge. The sheriff's office filed the charge after a gun was found inside a car parked at Oakland High School. The gun was discovered after a school administrator reported the car was illegally parked and appeared to have drugs inside. The school district says the student has been expelled. A Nashville FBI technician facing child pornography charges. Justin Carroll arrested yesterday when he arrived to work at the Nashville FBI office. He's accused of exchanging sexually explicit images and videos with a 14-year-old. The investigation of the 38-year-old Antioch man started when a package filled with a teddy bear and candies that didn't indicate a recipient on the label was sent to the Nashville FBI office. News on demand 24-7 from our website, WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. 
Take a moment and rate your lifestyle on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 is a life that's nothing like the life you were promised after getting good grades, a college degree, and a good job in corporate America. 10 is the life of your dreams. If you answered anything less than a 10, tune into the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell's self-made millionaire and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited will show you how to live the life of your dreams and pay for it with passive income. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. We are very blessed to have volunteers, to have friends that are decorators that come in and merchandise our store and do our window displays that help with linens, that help with jewelry, that help just make the store look really nice. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms at times this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies, a high in the low 80s. Winds out of the southwest between 5 and 10 miles per hour. I'm Edie. Meteorologist Jennifer Vuichitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70. Classic kid movies are back this summer at Premier Six on Broad in Jackson Heights. $5 tickets include admission, drink, popcorn, and candy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for classic kid movies all summer. The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, FM 101.9, AM 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Jim Bridges, who I'm thoroughly enjoying this, Jim. So it's your show. Whichever direction you want to go with it, uh, I'm going to enjoy it. Well, at any rate, get back to mother and dad. They married. Yeah. Uh, he went to France and was a truck driver. He had never driven a car, let alone a truck. And his unit uh, was activated. His guard unit in Nebraska was activated, but he was living in Iowa then. What year was that? Is in the 40s? Oh, no. This is World War One. One? <laughs> All right, we're going back some years. Yes, yes. That was around 17, 18, or 19, yes. somewhere in that area. And uh, in rate, they married, mm-hmm. and uh, she never worked again after that. Oh, wow. Uh, just She was a housewife and, and reared uh, not only me, but my sister, who was uh-huh. uh, six years younger than me. But in rate, back then... They didn't do like they do now and just call someone in and say, we're sending you to uh, Kansas. That's that's where you'll be located now in your new job yeah. with the company. But he went to work as the railway express agent. And mm-hmm. then when he left for France, when he came back, he went to work for the glove factory, which Mr. Lanham owned. Yeah. And then when Henry Ford's Ford came out, then Mr. Uh, Lanham went ahead and with plans to build the baseball factory in mm-hmm. Tullahoma. And they called him in one day and said, Lee, I think he was in charge of shipping and receiving at the glove factory, and said, "You're, we're going to have a traffic manager, and that's your job. Mm-hmm. And his main job was to find the cheapest but best means of shipping cartons of baseballs yeah and eventually softballs too so they called it a traffic manager and uh, tell you a quick story about that when after they finished the plan you know i said they tied it uh upside the tannery mm-hmm. well they had this huge door you've seen them i'm sure that it's on a little bit of an angle and so, you know, it'll open easily. Yeah. And then it was pretty wide, and a ramp went into the tannery. Well, his office was right there next to that door, mm-hmm. and it was an open office. It was uh, up 
Well, you couldn't just look into it, but I mean, it didn't have any covering. Yeah. And he would hang whatever jacket he wore to work on that tree there in the hall tree, I think there's one name for him. Mm -hmm. Well, Mother was a very mild-mannered person, but he started bringing those jackets home. <laughs> Uh, after a day of hanging and catching all the tannery smells and odors. So she told him one day, she <laughs> said, from now on, you will hang your jackets on the back porch. Well, it was, it was a uh, head screen on it, but they had some, something they put over that in the mm -hmm. wintertime, you know, let it air out. <laughs> but, uh, any rate, uh, they moved to Tullahoma, and they got settled in. That's where I did my schooling, and my sister Barbara also went through the school system there. And then I got my draft notice, and uh, Dad took me to Manchester to meet the bus. Mm -hmm. Since it's county seat, that's where everything begins. And I told him, uh, so you remember what uh, Dr. Evans told Mother after I'd had rheumatic fever? for the second time. Mm. <laughs> and the year we moved to Manchester when they were building Camp Forest, yeah. guess what? I had malaria. I well, had, lucky I, you. I had, <laughs> I had apparently no immune system. I mm. had all the mumps and the chicken pox and the whooping cough. I had diphtheria. <laughs> it's one I'm sitting here today. <laughs> But I, I made it through them. I had one year out of 12 of perfect attendance. I was in bed so much with sickness that Dad bought me a little plastic radio about this size, red and white, I still yeah. remember. And I got familiar with all the afternoon soaps. They were 15, long, 15 minutes long at that time. Young Witter Brown and so-and-so's uh, family, you know, and all but uh, I could tell you all the names. I remember them. <laughs> and the, and the, the characters in them, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, I made it through school okay, and uh, then went to high school, and that's when my, where, when the new English teacher mm -hmm. uh, encouraged me to join the ECHO staff. And then I graduated, and uh, that's when I went to Drones, mm -hmm. and then I came home. And I took a job with uh, Wilson Athletic Goods. And someone said, what did you and your dad talk about at the dinner table? And I said, we didn't have much conversation. <laughs> he worked for Lanham's, and I was working for uh, Wilson. Yeah. And uh, so at any rate, I had a chance to go to work uh, out at the AEDC, which uh, they built after the yeah. war. Yeah. And... Uh, that's when I got my draft notice, and I told Dad, as he was, we were driving up here, I said, you remember what Dr. Evans said, that after having the rheumatic fever one time, he said, the medical community does not know as much as we would like to know about rheumatic fever. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, after I had it a second time, I don't, I don't remember how much time there was between the two events, but... I thought, uh, so he he took me to Manchester, and I said, now, remember what Dr. Evans said, that uh, they don't know as much as they want to know, but they do know that it works on a person's heart, among yeah. other things. Yeah. So we said, they they probably won't even take you in the services. Well, I, I told him I'd call him that night, so I did. But I was calling from Union Station in Nashville, mm -hmm. and we were getting ready to board a train for Fort Jackson, South Carolina. <laughs> So I, uh, I reported down there, and we went to the uh, induction center, and uh, we we just stayed there until we were assigned to a basic training company. And they had to open. They were having they were running so many men through processing that they had to open up a company that had been closed for a while. Hmm. So we had a few. Uh, things happened, but uh, we just all pitched in, and we overcame them, and we got the company open, 
And at one time, our mess hall was uh, rated very high among all the mess halls there. On Fort Jackson was a good sized base even then. Yeah. And they had both uh, eight and sixteen week basic training companies, and I was in an eight week one. And when I went through the classification and interview part of the uh, processing, first you saw an interviewer, and they, it was like. You remember what the USO buildings looked like? Oh, yeah. The big high ceiling. Yeah. Uh, it, it looked like one that was on post. I don't know what it had been. It Maybe yeah. it was built when the post was built. I don't know. But there was a wall, a temporary-type wall running down the middle. And then they had uh, like this off of that. Mm -hmm. And... It, the wall made the back of your booth that you worked in if you were employed there. And you backed up to that, and you had sides and no front. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you had a, I had a chair similar to this because I ended up going there. That was my service time. And I didn't talk about it for a long time because so many men had gone overseas. Yeah. And I didn't pull any strings. I didn't have anybody trying to get me a good assignment. It just happened. And that's been a story of my life. Did you end up uh, uh, working in an office there? Mm -hmm. That was the office, that big so building. typing got you in there probably. Well, in a way. Yeah. When uh, when you finished your interview, then the person who interviewed you, like I eventually was, I would tell them to go up here and have mm -hmm. a seat. And there are, I think they had uh, maybe two, three, or four when it was really busy, mm -hmm. uh, people who were classifiers. So yeah. they would look over your Form 20, and it had to be hand-printed, mm -hmm. all caps, in ink. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing you tried to do was, me, if you made an error, that you use a single-edge uh, razor blade and scratch it, and then you use something and you mash down to put the fibers back together. And it's amazing to how you remember that. Oh well, things like that you don't forget. <laughs> you know how long <laughs> oh, it would yes, take. I would. <laughs> you would have to copy what was on that form twenty yeah. that he came in here with yeah. into your office. They back then they didn't print a lot of stuff, but they'd say this was your form, and up here was where the name, address, serial number, and all. They, somewhere they put that on that card mm -hmm. and put it together, and like the group three from our company would march over or walk over there mm -hmm. and to be processed. And you would have to copy everything that was on there without yeah. making any errors. So you did everything in your power to try to get that past the uh, uh, classifiers. Mm -hmm. And there weren't many of them because some of these cards, you know, the guy had not done anything but just maybe worked as a mechanic or worked as a driver or, you know, whatever occupation. Yeah. And other, others, they would, would uh, you, I think there was room for three jobs, and some people had 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 three jobs. So anyway, that was a skill. And then the classifier would call call you up, and he would look over the car, and, and he said, "Well, see, you've been in working in offices." I yeah. said, "That's right." He said, "We have a typewriter back there. You know, <laughs> take a test." I said, "Sure." Well, in high school, they had upgraded their Royal brand typewriters. Yeah. And they were uh, they were just plain black, and they got gray. I mean, they really looked super, <laughs> and they typed rather well, too. And then Underwood was the other brand, and it didn't have any enclosure. I mean, you could look right into the center of it from the side. And uh, it was kind of dusty. It hadn't been maintained real well. But uh, I managed to knock out a pretty high score. And I made a few errors, but they were looking more at the speed, I think. Typewriters saved many a man from going overseas. Yeah, it really did. And, and a lot of people didn't even realize it. When I went in, I, I, I thought, well, there's no telling what, where I'm going to go. Well, I ended up in an office. And I put in 1049s to leave stateside to go to the uh, 
uh, uh, war areas. And, of course, they, when you had certain skills, they wouldn't let you go because they needed you because there was so much going on yeah. in, the, in that particular time, as, as you remember. And well, when I was in, they were sending men by the shipload to Japan, yeah. and that was just a stopping point on the way to Korea. Yeah. And they just kept sending more men over. Uh, all of our cadre in basic training were acting, acting yeah. corporal, acting sergeant. And it, it was a piece of blue, kind of looked like felt. Mm -hmm. And someone had sewn whatever stripes they wanted on it. And then they had a clip, and they would put that on there morning when they came over to the area to start the, the day's activities. Were you a good soldier? A good soldier? Yeah. I tried to be. What, what did you? What rank did you come out with? Well, I'm happy and sad both of you ask. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, there's so many men were being sent over yes. under one classification. We're talking about Korea now. Yes. Yeah. And even in, say in Japan. Yeah. Uh, some people would go over as this, and they would need something doing uh, another type of work mm -hmm. and they would just move them over there right on a moment's notice mm -hmm. and uh, I went in I had no ROTC training that's the thing that got some guys uh, a rank of E2 everything was E something and E1 was absolutely no ROTC no nothing and that was me yeah and they would waive the time is how they were getting around it mm -hmm. And I was in 21 months, 10 days, 18 hours, and 4 minutes. Wow. Not, well, not that I keep up with things like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a detail man, but that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 21 months and 10 days. 21 months, you had to stay in. You got out early. Well, the reason was because uh, in the company work area, not where the barracks were, but mm -hmm. in the company work area. See, this was, uh, Fort Jackson was the head, as where the headquarters for the whole 3rd Army area. Mm -hmm. Think the border of Tennessee and Kentucky mm -hmm. to the north. To the west, the Mississippi River. To the right, the Atlantic Ocean. And straight south was the Gulf. All that was Third Army area, mm -hmm. and the headquarters was here at Fort Jackson. And um, now was Fort Bragg? Uh, for, I was sent to Fort Bragg after I left. You may Louisiana. have been in whatever that area. Yeah, is. Fort Bragg uh, pretty much covered that, and uh, it was uh, an amazing place because um, after basic going to Fort Bragg. It had everything there. It, it had special forces, rangers, uh, all all the uh, uh, airborne units except for uh, uh, w what they've got in Fort Campbell. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was a, an amazing place. Uh, you don't really realize how fortunate this country is to have the type of training that goes through those particular type units and it, it, it's it's uh, it, it, it's amazing uh it's an eye opener uh we have been blessed to have the men that have served all of these years and have kept us safe and kept the world safe you might say exactly. and uh um I, I i don't think a lot of the young people realize how fortunate they are no. to live in this this country the way all the things that we offer them and 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 the freedoms that uh, uh, so many people have lost their lives uh, going into the service, whether they were on the war front or or supporting them from other areas, it, it, it's amazing. And uh, a lot of the guys that have served in the service has, have actually come through right here. At Adams Place, and it's amazing. This 
particular building right here where everybody's got their condos and they've moved in. Uh, I have met so many really interesting people here. I, I think it's a it's a special place for everybody to come to and uh, and um, enjoy each other's company. There, there's a lot of special people right here. I uh, I wasn't. Well, let me phrase this properly. I did not talk a lot about my service time mm -hmm. because there were so many men just like me. Maybe I took basic with them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But after basic was over, you got an assignment. Yeah. And that uh, classifier, when I processed, looked over my my form that had mm -hmm. been filled out, and he said, well, you know, I mentioned, said, you've been doing office work. Yeah. said, how would you like to come back and work here after basic? And I said, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's why I didn't talk a lot about it, because of the, all the hundreds and thousands who uh, just by one thing or another ended up having to go to Korea. Yeah. Well, while we, after we retired up to Lake Tansy, up on the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah. Uh, That's a nice area. Yes. And one of the men that was uh, very active in the community asked me one day, he said, have you been in service? And I said, yes. He said, I never hear you talking about it. And I said, well, I told him why. He said, look at it this way. Apparently... That's why they sent you there, because that's where they needed you. Mm -hmm. And it really, uh, I guess you say, opened my eyes and made me look at the other side of it. That yeah. Somebody has to be here. Someone has to be there. Sometimes the uh, assignment doesn't turn out like you think it's going to. But, but I enjoyed meeting. I don't know. I have always enjoyed meeting people. Yeah. And, of course, you got to really meet them when you interviewed them because you had to go into their past uh, history, work history, and, and make sure you got everything down correctly. And he was in charge of honor air flights, mm -hmm. and I got to take one of those, and it was a most wonderful experience. Yeah. I mean, they were uh, not much there in Crossville because it was early and people were gathering and we got on a bus. Mm -hmm. But when we got off that bus at the airport in Knoxville, I mean, the first several who went through the door from outside inside, yeah, they were lined up on both sides. They were coming up and patting you on the back and saying, thank you for your service. And we wow. got to Washington. And that's when it really exploded. <laughs> they had a barbershop court, uh, chorus there. Mm -hmm. And I went over and heard them sing most of one number. Cause I used to sing barbershop. Yeah. And <laughs> But uh, a little little boy came up and handed me an envelope. And, and a little girl came up. And she looked up at him and handed me something. You know, they were handing out favors and pieces of candy, you know, candy bars and all. And then to tour the, the many monuments as we could. Yeah. But it was just a one-day affair. And uh, it wasn't that late when we got back, really. But it's one of the most wonderful days that uh, I can think of that I had to do anything with my service time. Patriotism was real strong back then, wasn't it? And, and, and I hate when we lose a little bit of that because... Um, it's something that I really never thought I would see. Of course, we were seeing all kinds of things in the 60s uh, mm -hmm. when uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess it was the hippie generation or whatever. But there's there's always some type of dem demonstration, I guess, over the years. Every so many years, you yeah. have a, a little bit of a change and something new will be in Yeah. Have you noticed that that you're more conservative as you get older? Have you ever noticed that? I, I had a, a, some uh, young students on from uh, MTSU, and um, uh, Kent Siler 
was the professor that did uh, uh, the studies for them. And uh, I, 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 when I had them on the show, we I, I, I asked for one conservative, one that's just kind of middle of the road, and and then one liberal. And as I was talking to the liberal young fella, and he's very bright, and uh, he was explaining that uh, why he was a liberal and uh, that uh, uh, he would probably uh, continue with the thoughts that he had. And I said, you remember this show in 30 years I want to see if you're still a liberal or not, because it's the younger you are, the more uh, you're in for changes and those type things. Right. You really don't understand it until you live it. But but as you have more responsibilities and and then you're just kind of thrown into the fray, you might say, then you understand why most older people they become more conservative. Because they have life's experiences, and life's experiences is the biggest teacher of all. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and it's amazing to me, and and what you've been explaining to me, um, it's it, it's a life well served, and uh, uh, you have all that life put in front of you, you've been able to meet the challenge, and that that's pretty special. Well, I haven't tried to create things so much as I've learned to live with the way it is, you know, with some exception. You've learned to endure it. Yes. And and that's not an easy thing. And sometimes the people who complain the most, if you turn it around on and say, okay, if you were in charge, Mm -hmm. it would be different. You'd have a different attitude towards it. Yeah. But I've, I've I've been a people person um, uh, one of the things I had to do in my new job when I joined Genesco Mm -hmm. was to they had a a rental car place next door and it was mostly just for Genesco because they had so many plants we had a total of 22 plants and shipping terminals Wow! and each one of those except for the Nashville employees each one of those plants had its own version of the Genesco News. Hmm. They'd uh, some some of them were printed offset, some letterpress, some of them actually uh, we would buy a certain number of inches of space in a local newspaper, mm-hmm. and once every two months we would come out with the Genesco News for, let's see, a Plasti was one of those locations. Yeah. And it appeared in whatever that local was down there. And I dealt with printers and engravers and anything to do with getting what we needed to. If they uh, appeared in the local paper, then we had to send engraving engravings of pictures to mm-hmm. them so they could just drop them in. They'd set the type, and, and we didn't get to proof it. Uh, the plan may have looked over it. I don't know. So we just hoped that uh, no errors were made. There would, would be uh, uh, something that could. Uh, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? Yes. I can see that how your face lights up when you're talking about it. Well, uh, some people, frankly, would not be able to when they join like I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've forgotten what uh, time of the month uh, I joined the company, mm-hmm. but uh, they did all that was you know had to be done for that. And then it wasn't too long before I was talking with my boss and he was telling me what I would find when I made my plant trip. Mm-hmm. And you pull up in front of the building and. Uh, Take a big breath and just, you know, well, I don't have bad days. Every day is a good day. Yeah. Some days are just better than others, and I don't worry. And you were, like, you were like public relations in a way, weren't you? Yes, exactly. And you got to meet a lot of interesting people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That's where I learned to use the camera. We but, had a 4 by 5 Graflex 
camera. Yeah. It's the kind that, you know, you punch in the front, fell mm-hmm. down, and then you pull, <laughs> pull yeah. in, the bellows opened up. Yeah. Know? And uh, use four or five film. And if you got a sharp focus, mm-hmm. you could blow that up as uh, big as the end from the wall and that picture down to the corner. And mm-hmm. it would be pretty sharp. Yeah. And that's when uh, a woman in mm-hmm. our department that shipped out the advertised materials that our mm-hmm. department created. Yeah. Like uh, uh, price tags for shoes in, in the window or inside the store, mm-hmm. window cards, anything like that that was advertising one of our brands. Yeah. Then... Uh, we produced that, and she handled filling orders that people would send in for those materials. And uh, a young woman who worked uh, with her was getting married, and neither she nor her husband had enough money to really have a big wedding. They just wanted to have a nice, small wedding. Yeah. And she called my uh, boss we were associate editors there were two of us Mm -hmm. and he had his plants and shipping terminals and i had mine and i had 11 and he had 11 and i would do six one month and five the next month and i'd call and set up the time for me to come down and try to combine like centerville waynesboro hornwall i did that all in two days guess what we've run out of time oh we have yeah hey Went way too fast, Jim. <laughs> it sure did. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes, it does, Jim Bridges. And thoroughly enjoyed you. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure, and I enjoyed it, too. All right. We'll be back in the morning at 9 o'clock. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Since 1981, Willow Windows has been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee. From decks and railings to doors and windows, visit willowwindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. Willowwindow.pro. 